Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So you want to look at the standings in MLB here? I, you know, I do kind of want to look at the standings because I think it does help every once in a while looking at it to be like, "Ooh, this team's out," and don't worry about, don't worry about trying to roster any of their players if it's a good player. But the thing that was remarkable to me about this is that Baltimore and Seattle have both been on huge win streaks, right? Major tears. Well, they're, they're they're off now, but like Baltimore had like a monster win streak, and they're still behind. They're still the last place team, but they're within fighting. Di- they're 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 within fighting distance, not shutting down distance. So it might inform us on on whether or not they decide to keep oddly up. If they decide to s- sit Cedric, make sure he doesn't run into any more walls. <laughs> this is going to sound self serving, but in the central, in the AL central, mm-hmm. what teams do we care about? Because the corollary to the AL East having mostly teams above 500 is that somebody else has got to have mostly teams below 500. And it's the AL Central this year. What, I mean, what did they say about the Spinal Tap album? None. <laughs> it, could be, yeah. it could be none more uninteresting. And I think the AL West is basically the same as you expect the AL West. I mean, the AL West looks like it's looked for every year for the past 10 years. Well, yeah, it's... it's Houston Houston is number one, and then one of the other teams is competitive, not really, um, and maybe they're going to make a run this year. Maybe they're not going to make a run. And then the other two, they're two middling teams that are fine and underperforming, and then it's the dumpster fire. It's like, just who is it going to be this year? <laughs> Who's going to be the dumpster fire in it's Oakland a, this year? It's a really interesting. I mean, the, actually, the NL West is relatively similar in that respect, right? For the for recent history, where you've got the Dodgers way out on top, and then you've got somebody from the Padres, Giants, Rockies that's doing something mm-hmm. normally in a typical year, and then you've got a dumpster fire, which is almost always the Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah. But at this least, year, yeah, you have Colorado is you know take. I mean, Colorado is doing better than was expected, I guess, in a way that they that they're on a pace for four forty win percentage. Anything surprise you in NL East or Central? Those are, I mean, the Mets on top, sure. Otherwise, everything looks pretty normal. I mean, part of me keeps on. Well, any time that I see a Washington Nationals player like come up in like an ad drop scenario, I'm like, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Each time, like an, a, I wanted to invest in a Braves player. Mm-hmm. Duval gone, by the way. Any, any mm-hmm. of those, any anything that we had on that, mm-hmm. glad I didn't double down. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I, 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 do you want to put a? Would you guess that Atlanta's going to end the year at the head of this, um, the NL East? I think so. I think I think they're too. They're a little too tortoise style. Yeah. You know, the the Mets are very hair. Yeah. Where they invested off season, they'll do well. They're doing well right now. The Braves seem to kind of be slowly clicking everything into place, and everything seems to kind of be meshing for them. This isn't that dissimilar from what happened last year. No, it's not for them. 
Yeah, no, tortoise and hare, good, uh, good fable to uh, reference. Do you, I mean, and then you have the NL Central where it's just like there are two teams, and then the rest of them are awful. Pittsburgh. I mean, is I three. <laughs> I love looking at. I know I like looking at the NL Central because it's really easy to say I'm going to start every pitcher against the Pirates, the Cubs, or the Reds. <laughs> no, I don't know how Corbin Burns can't get fucking wins. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Who are you starting against, man? Look at these teams. There's okay. Look, the run differential for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are in third place, is minus 141 already. <laughs> okay, that's really, really bad. Oh yeah. All right, quick check-ins on the uh, fantasy mm-hmm. numbers. Fantasy leaders still Aaron Judge and Shane McClanahan, as as expected last week, because you know three games played or what whatnot. Eight weeks for Aaron Judge, five for Shane McClanahan. TGFBI, you took a step forward, not a huge one, but a little one, up to 383. I took a huge step back, 325. Um, wow, hurts. Wow. You know, I did. I did real well. Okay, we have. We both have. We have a shared problem, which is that our second round pick is on the IL. Yeah. And so I was looking at mine. So my first five picks, just to refresh everyone's memory, Tatis hasn't played. Trevor Story on the IL and had a slugger start. Shane Bieber, wildly underperforming this year. Byron Buxton, overperforming. Lone bright spot, still injured. I mean, you know, still Byron Did that Buxton, Swiss flag, injured. did he change his last name to a Swiss flag? Still again, yeah, he's back on it. And then my pick number five, to round it all out, Adalberto Mondesi. So <laughs> I'm actually kind of blown away that, I managed, that I'm managing to hang on where I am right now at 383, given the that absolutely atrocious run of first five picks i feel like i i feel like i told you what are you doing and you're like dude it's who the whole point you did is the whole point is to have upside and i'm like yeah but (laughs) well i had i i think looking back at my draft i had an absolutely atrocious draft it's no one on my drafted team that's contributing to me right now actually it's been all essentially all waiver wire pickups so yeah, mine were Corbin Burns, doing fine. Okay. Starling Marte, it's like a start. He's below what I want him, but okay. It's Trevor Story, basically the same story as Starling Marte. Robbie Ray, finally turning around, and Lance Lynn. Yeah, I mean, all we had to do was look at sort of these first five and be like, hmm, I wonder why we're both in the 300s, <laughs> you know? It's hard. It's hard when your first five picks are not like what you expected them to be or needed them to be. Like as we talked about at the time in the draft, your first five picks are really just need to be don't I didn't screw these up picks. They don't they we have to revise. I need to revise because as you said, I was thinking upside, but they need to they need to be cornerstone picks. They need to play. Not, yeah, exactly. They they have to be cornerstone safe. You know, like build my team on this picks, and otherwise, you know, we end up in this uh, scenario where I might make it out of the bottom hundred. I hit three seventy four in the middle of last week. I had a high point. So, at a high watermark. I'm trying. I'm trying. All right. I think it's time for a quick, uh, famous last words, over-under session. I'll give you two or more names of players ostensibly um, with the same season totals so far. There are a couple that aren't exact. You'll tell me who will end the season on top. We'll call it a push if, uh, if there are multiple players and you beat at least one of them and don't ultimately win. Let's... Talk briefly about each player's voyage from preseason to now and then potential through the end of the year. Okay? All right. I love it. All right. We'll start with hits. These three players all have 106. Amad Rosario, 
Andrew Benintendi and Xander Bogarts. That's an interesting mixture. It's an interesting I, mix, right? I, I've got to put Bogarts on top for the end of season. You want to put Bogarts on top for the end of the season? I, I got it. You got to put Bogarts on top. I mean, I I tend to be very bullish on preseason predictions. and uh, That's a vote of confidence just, that that team's going the right direction. Whereas it feels like Cleveland has the best track record of having a good second half. I agree. And, well, I mean, I'm not going to pick Ben and Dendy. He's, he's on the Royals. He's, he's, he was unable to travel to Toronto. So that, you know, says some stuff. Uh, even, though I, even though I do own shares of Ben and Dendy, I, uh, I, I think he'll be fine. But I think Bogarts will be better, is it? I, I, don't actually, I don't actually think that any of these guys are going to be bad in the second half. Like, I think I would take them all for to get pretty close to 200 hits. Yeah. I, to get pretty close to 200 hits, but I just think Bogarts is going to have a few more. It just it feels like we've got three guys. One of them is going to continue doing what he's doing and maybe even get a little bit better. One of them is going to drop off a tiny bit, and one is going to drop off a cliff. And it's funny. I think both of us say Ben Benintendi is the one that's going to drop off a cliff. Yeah. And I would say I'd pick Rosario. But okay. um, I like that you're picking Bogarts. Yeah, preseason number twenty, uh, what twenty nine um, rank consensus according to fantasy pros. Whereas we're talking one ninety and one sixty for Rosario and Benintendi. Mm, yeah, exactly. Just different valuations to start the season. All right, let's talk runs. Both these players are at sixty three runs as of today. Dansby Swanson and Kyle Schwarber. Don't at me if I have the exact. I don't have the numbers right. Okay, I'm trying here. That's fine. Time uh, correct at time of recording. We'll pretend at least. Um, yeah, this is an interesting one because it, it really gets back to our discussion about which direction are the Braves going. Yeah, uh, I I th- I actually think it's going to be Kyle Schwarber. I believe in the rates that Kyle Schwarber has put up mm-hmm. for. I mean, we know I know periphery from additional information that Kyle Schwarber is hitting a lot of home runs. I don't exactly see that slowing down. <laughs> Um, I don't like that Swanson hits low in the order. It's not a run-producing spot. Uh, so yeah, where is rely. he right now? Do you have that information? I think he's not, he was batting seventh last time I looked, which was a couple weeks ago. Well, let's take a look now because he. I, I think this is interesting because Swanson is someone that we have derided. Uh, I would I would say on on this podcast, and Aww. but I remember when we did when we did reviews. I I said um, or when we were talking about it, yeah we did re- shortstops last year right. I said going into this playoffs, I don't really, I don't really like him, but I could see the path where he's effective in the playoffs. He has like a really good. He ends up being close to or the MVP of the World Series, and then comes back charged for next year. And he sort of has. That's uh, sort of been. But the question is, can he keep that going this whole year? Which no, I think he, you're I saying mean- no. Yeah, I, I, I am saying no. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think he did. You'll some... take Schwarber. You're taking the, yeah, take take the known commodity. I think that makes sense. Are they, I mean, they are they are batting him higher up in the order. I just don't know if that's where they. Where is he, five? He's batting two. There you go. So, I mean, he's he's supposed to be the guy putting, putting a, a Cunha, moving Acuna up right now. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. All yeah. right. I'm still standing by Schwarber because I think he's doing it on his own. And Swanson needs a lot to happen with the team around him. He needs some things to go right. Right. He does. Yes. Right. The the ship could sink, and Kyle Schwarber could still be getting his stats. And if the ship sinks, 
James B. Swanson is sunk. Is sunk. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, uh, let's go to RBIs. 63 again. We got two guys, interesting guys coming into this year Kyle Tucker and Austin Riley. Another brave for you. And Kyle Tucker, we talked about it's like the forgotten player on his own team. <laughs> He's good too. <laughs> yeah. I, I fantasy I, yeah. darling, Kyle Tucker. I uh, I mean Austin Riley's a is at this point a a blue chip piece yeah. in fantasy. So it's it's hard to pick against him. You would really have to think that Kyle Tucker was going to underperform or like going to sneak sneak in was going to overperform in the sense of like sneak in under the wire. I I got to go with Riley here. Where was he batting? 3. Kyle Tucker? Yeah. No, both of them, I guess. Where was Austin Riley? You you had the Braves up. So Riley's 3 and 4. Three, four, five. He's been batting three, four, five. Uh, I don't know about because that was Tucker. At last year, was one of the big things that was keeping him down was that he was low in the batting order, and it was like, can you can you please put him higher in the batting order? He's batting third. He's batting third. There you go. So yeah. both of them are in good RBI producing spots. But you're taking Riley. I'm still going for Riley here. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Both of them were a fantasy darlings last year, and they've made it. It was like that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. Yeah, usually usually one of them doesn't. All right, home runs. Both these guys are 23. Both of them are made of glass. Byron Buxton <laughs> and Corey Seager. Yeah, I mean, this this honestly, this feels like more of a question of uh, Games who's played. more made of glass. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think of these two, I think Buxton is more made of glass. I think Seager, I think the Rangers, I think being on the Rangers has actually helped Seager. Oh yeah, you nice and you nice and loose in that heat in the summer. I think I think he's gonna stay loose. Think he's gonna enjoy the heat. I'm going Seager to hit more home runs. Uh, okay, stolen bases, four guys. So you have four shots here of getting this, uh, getting not losing. These guys all have twenty. Bobby That's Witt, crazy. Cedric Mullins, Tommy Edmond, and Ronald Acuna. <laughs> that Edmond, I say these are. These are all a little surprising. I think I think Bobby Witt is the most likely to continue to get the green light. And Acuna, honestly, I don't understand why they're having him steal 20 bases right now anyway. It just seems like... That doesn't seem like a good idea. Why would we want, Why do we want this guy trying to do that? Don't like risk He's it. so valuable. <laughs> like, yeah. like, Bobby Witt's good, but he's not, you know, he's not Acuna valuable. And Cedric Mullins kind of is that whole team, so I would be kind of... He's not that whole team. He's not the All whole right. team. All right. The team doesn't do as, as Cedric Mullins does. The team is Audley's team. Which is bizarro, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, so... I mean, I'm going to pick Bobby Witt here. I don't know how... I don't know why exactly Edmonds at 20. I mean, it's, I know why... I love it. I mean, I love the other guys are Tommy, at 20. You and sure. I are both Tommy Edmonds guys. And yeah. in our home league, he got... I was like, I next pick is Tommy Edmonds. And then... Boom, he got taken. I was like, what? why would anyone else love Tommy Edmund as much as I do? Because 20 stolen bases. I, I didn't know. Right. I didn't. I mean, I didn't expect this this year. We've we've been kind of, I think we might have expected this in previous years, and then he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we did. We, it was always like, why is he down to like 10 right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I think Cedric Mullins, I think Mullins and Acuna are going to see their chances ramp down. Edmund, I think, it had a really good first half. Bobby Witt's the one that I see being the most sustainable here. All right, let's talk about some pitchers. All right, let's do it. 
wins. Both these guys have 11. Tony Gonsolin and Alex Manoa. Boy, uh, I, uh, man. Right, because both these guys, it's like, how how long is their leash? I, I mean, I, uh, Ooh, it was, yeah. I'm glad that we started this pod talking about the standings because the fact that the Blue Jays are doing well, I think, changes the outlook for Manoa. And I think they're more likely to keep him going. So I'm going to pick Manoa of the two, but I'm very uncertain about this. I, I'm extremely uncertain about what direction this way go, this one goes. Are you a hundred percent? Because I feel like I have a number that might might make the decision for you. Are you hundred oh percent? That's who you're gonna take. Yeah, go for it. What they say? They're shutting him down. Alex Manoa. No, no, no. I'm gonna give you a, a stat. Two stats. Alex Manoa has pitched 120 and two thirds innings. Tony Gonsolin has pitched 93 and two thirds. I I know he's pitched a low number of innings. I mean, but how many? They both have the same two number of games, games started. Tony Gonsolin has pitched two fewer games. I'm still taking that, but I, oof, yikes. Okay. Doesn't that, doesn't it make you, I mean, for me, I'm like, okay, that I feel like that validates any, any of the Tony Gonsolin is going to pitch longer this season. But it's also Dodgers. You know, I mean, the Dodgers are like, the Dodgers could switch dude. to a six man, could switch to a six or seven man rotation at any time. Mm-hmm. Just do something crazy for the playoffs. Okay. You're going to stick with Manoa? I'm doing it. Okay. K's. Mm-hmm. This is this is one of the only two places where I I, I did a little math I did a little bit of flippy. One has okay, so first one has one thirty eight, second one has one thirty seven. Carlos Rodon and Aaron Nola. They feel very similar to me in terms of K's. They are right now. Well, I know, I know, but I mean in terms of K outlook, so picking this is really hard. Um, preseason, I would have said Nola. Uh huh. But I think I think Rodon is being. You know, little, not exactly little engine that could for for K's this year. And I, Nola's down a little bit. I'm going to pick Rodon here. You're not, you're not charging me an extra K at the end of the season, are you, for the fact that he's up one right now? No, you got one. You got an extra one. Good man. You already have thanks. one in, in the bank. Okay, thanks. He's already up one. Whip. Both these guys are at 1.05. Spencer Strider and Joe Ryan. We talked about Joe Ryan in the in the bet box pod just because we had talked about his rate at the beginning of the year, uh, his K per total batters faced, which was astronomical last year, and has way come back down to earth. Yep. I can't. This is a good whip. It's a good. Whip. And without those K numbers to back it up, I can't back Joe Ryan on this. But Spencer I ha- Strider, I, mean, I don't love Spencer Strider either. Uh, I I I think. Uh, it'd be nice to know what was happening with. It'd be nice to know if the Braves bullpen is actually good. Mm-hmm. I think that would that's going to go a long way because I know the Twins bullpen is not good, so they're going to stick Joe Ryan. You know, Joe Ryan is may pay more for that in yeah, the an sense extra that one like, or two thirds innings exactly in that could put him expose him a little bit more exactly. Whereas Spencer Strider, you know, if Minter and Smith and Jansen are all actually pitching, then you pull him with more fewer signs of trouble yeah so i'm just gonna go with get spencer him strider two times through the lineup and then like exactly so I'm, I'm gonna go with spencer strider here and i i think i actually feel pretty solid about that case i mean i, I wish it would be joe ryan personally obviously but just coupled with the numbers we looked at last week and the team around him I just don't see it yeah and you never know what rocco is gonna do era another one where it's not quite the exact same 3.13 and 3.14 for Christian Javier and Pablo Lo- 
Lopez, not Lopex. I don't know who Pablo Lopez is, but Pablo Lopez. Uh, I, I, my judgment is clouded on this because I really like Pablo Lopez. I do too. I mean, a lot of people really like him, and he um, decided to be, well, he kind of decided to let Sandy Alcantara pass him, right? <laughs> yeah, and there's something to be said about that. I think uh, Christian Javier, I, uh, both of these guys are guys that are under talked about. I think in in a fantasy perspective, Christian Javier, good. exactly. No, I I was like, wait, I thought he was a relief pitcher. <laughs> but these, I mean, let, let's just be clear. I mean, three point one three five is a good ERA, right? That's if if you're getting starters who are getting reasonable starter volume, which both of these guys are a little light, but they're still getting it. They're still getting roughly starter volume. That's very good, especially in a roto style league. I mean, I own Lopez in TGFBI, and he's arguably been one of my best pitchers, <laughs> just because he's he's out there getting this. I, I'm going to lean on Lopez here. I'm going to pick Lopez. Uh, oh, thank you. Good. You, okay, you wanted Javier. Yeah, I did. I, did. I okay. really like that. As much as it's fun, uh, just like fantasy strategy-wise, when the starting pitcher goes to relief pitcher and then and then is a, an effective, effective like mm-hmm. Zach Britton being, you know, like one of those mm-hmm. guys. The other direction, when it really works, I love it. When the relief pitcher is <laughs> like, why don't we just put him out there for two two times through the rotation and then he just kills it and it's just like yeah i just i'm supposed to strike everybody out right like yeah but you knew but you knew that you know all these guys were starters at some point they only they only got turned to relievers yeah but that might have been high school (laughs) i i think probably all these guys yeah fair okay fair enough yeah okay last one this is this is a fun one right saves both these guys have six they are ostensibly the uh, closers for their teams yikes Johan Duran and Tanner Hawk. I mean, they're the closest for our teams. Why Why is Tanner Hawk the, the closer? Because oh, everybody else in the Boston Bullpen sucks. And they made um okay. the, uh, the, the, the oh, I'm blanking on his name. The only good guy in the bullpen, they tried to start him. And then he was, he's like, fine. Instead of being really good in the bullpen. I think I am going to pick, I think I'm going to pick Hawk here Ooh. Tanner Hawk I, also does have strikeout stuff that's I he mean he does so that you, that's why I'm picking him yeah. yeah you don't think Durant Durant has strikeout stuff strikeout speed on his pitches uh, he does I this is this isn't even a knock on the twins it's just I don't know what they're doing with their bullpen and I don't I don't think they exactly do either like I, I trust them less to have a bona fide closer mm-hmm then I do. That's very I, I trust the Red Sox more to do that. Yeah, that about brings us to the review session. Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease having Cease a good season. Having a good season. He has started twenty games. He's ten and four. He's got a two point oh three ERA and a one point one nine WHIP. In his hundred and ten innings pitched, he's struck out hundred and fifty four batters. It's uh, pretty good. That's that qualifies you as ace on a mediocre team. Yeah. Well, I, so this is part of the reason that Rodon is no, no longer in uh, Chicago, right? Yes. No, no, no. I think that I suspect this is the reason. And Lance Lynn can just be himself as, as a good number two. So what I like about, I mean, what I like about Cease is that all of his stats are trending in the correct direction. 
Oh my, I mean, like, he's the kind of guy, we haven't seen one of these in a while on StatCast, where it's like, oh, there's a lot of red. Yeah, yeah, there's exactly. We haven't, one blue. we haven't seen one of these since early on in the season. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, 154 strikeouts on 110 innings pitched, that's a really good ratio. It's really good, yeah. Even yeah. if he, even if he, I mean, but his ratio is always fairly good, so career, he's 504 in, four, in 407 innings. I mean, that's... Just good. That's a... That's also a good rate, you know. Even so, even if he regresses off of his current pace, he'll be fine. Yeah, twenty six years old. This is he's hitting his prime. Yeah, this is it. I mean, so he's he pitched in twenty nineteen. He appeared in. He started fourteen games. Pretty pedestrian. I mean, amazing that he managed to make it work during COVID seasons. Like he, he really, he could have easily had a career derailed by that, but he. Pitched 12 games in 2020, which is a lot. Uh, 32 games last year. Seems like he's on pace for it this year. Um, he's rocking a sweet mustache in his picture, which he's thankfully not rocking all the time now. I will say that I don't like watching. Uh, I don't like watching White Sox fielding either. They're actually quite bad at fielding. So mm. whenever I clicked, when I was watching some random videos of him, like mm, this is not fun. <laughs> you know. It's, this does not bode well for uh, for yeah. What is his fielding independent pitching? X, his x fip is two ninety nine. Um, his fip is two sixty seven. Okay, so I, I was expecting to see that it, that was going to be ballooned. He's he's a little bit lucky, I guess, but not, not hugely lucky. He doesn't have a he doesn't have a lot of. So it's interesting that he throws his slider as his off speed pitch. Yeah, I mean his fastball is sitting around ninety seven. His slider is sitting around eighty seven. I mean, the slider has some crazy movement on it. I don't know if you watched a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Like his his fastball just goes like straight in, but when he has his, it moving, it it's, it looks it looks deadly. His slider is like the the bottom really drops out of that pitch. Uh, the only the only thing on Statcast that's not red is his walk percentile. Yes, and that's that is sort of borne out in the fact that his WHIP is one point one nine. <laughs> and his ERA is 2.03. I mean, that's like, that's not a common ratio of yeah, what to no, ERA. No, no. Yeah, that shouldn't be correct. Uh, he has 3.98 walks per nine. It's not good. It's not good. That means he's walking like four to five batters an outing, <laughs> like in any, in any game that he goes out there. No, that means that, he, well, that means that he's walking three to four uh, in any, any given outing. Because, I mean, that's walks per nine, not walks per game. Yeah, but he's only pitching. He's not even pitching six innings a, a, an outing, right? He's at 110 on 20 starts. Yeah. So he's pitching five and five and a half innings per outing. That's a lot of walks. It is. It's a lot of walks. It is. I mean, his home run, but his home run ratio, that's, I mean, it's the biggest thing from last year to this year. His home run ratio was 1.09 last year per nine, and now it's, 0.65 so that might go the opposite way wow so they got they got him in the trade man what a winning trade okay so the trade in july of 2017 chicago white Sox trade quintana for cease and eloy basically that's a forward-looking trade wow i mean it was a trade for eloy at the time but the fact that they got cease in that <laughs> that actually makes that trade look really bad in retrospect for the cubs that is terrible wow that's such a bad trade for the cubs that was a good time. okay so what do we what do we think so he's going to be owned in, in every league and we're not i mean i don't know if anyone redrafts mid-season he's 
Oh, he'd be incredibly valuable. He'd be a great pick. Pick. Um, All right. Well, you gave me a ton of over under, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one for you here. Is is his whip 1.19 end of season? Is he over or under? Oh. which direction is he going? Over. I'll say over. Okay. I mean, career career is 1.3, so I accept. I think the, I think over is the smart play. So I mean, always a little bit more disappointing to root for or to you know pick don't, against a guy. But. Don't come line, please. Yep. Yeah, I I mean, so but what what about next year, next year is he going to be a top 10 pitcher off the board? Yes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think he would he would have to do a lot wrong for that to not be true. It'll be his age 27 mm-hmm. season. Yeah. He's going to be, you know, he's going to really be hitting his prime. I suspect we're going to start to hear a whole bunch more about him as in like in fantasy circles if he keeps anything up anything like this up. I, I think the I think I think he's gonna be big hype going into next year and people will pick him early. Yeah, yeah. No, he might get into the top five. I wouldn't be I would not be shocked to see him in the top five. I I will also be clear that I would not pay top five for him on what we've seen so far. He's good, but top five is really expensive. Yeah, but in some ways, yeah, because I I really don't like that walks. Um, because in some ways the you've got McClanahan, Alcantara, Manoa are gonna have to be. Are going to be the ones that are going to be considered with him cease as to like who's going to be in the who's going to be in the top five with um, Burns and Cole and yeah is Walker Bueller going to get back? That's a good question. Sure, is there going is to Walker be a Bueller, thing? Should Woodruff be picked early? I mean, what's you know what's happening? What's happening DeGrom. here? There's a bunch of guys, bunch exactly bunch of guys in that range that are really going to slide around. I think we're going to see. I mean, I think in general we're going to see a big rearrangement in pitching value between. 2022 and 2023 i i can only hope that corbin burns and garrett cole remain on the uh, in this little <laughs> musical chair we'll see really hope that they stay we'll see this fe- this feels like a big changing of the guard pitching year i mean a lot of guys are coming in that and the you know scherzer's been at the top of his game for 10 years <laughs> you know like yeah these these all things must end at some point you know all so. things must pass pa- past that's right pass <laughs> Justin Verlander, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. Who are we doing next week? We talk about Jack Flaherty. Fuck him, guy. <laughs> Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is horse luck to you, buddy. Horse luck to you too. Yeah!